This is the Mile High Five podcast with Carl Jensen and Doug Cunnington. We have authentic conversations about the journey to Phi, health, happiness, and some very odd tangents. We interview Phi experts, side hustlers, people on their way to Phi, and those who have reached the other side. Join us every week, and if you want the show notes and links and all that other stuff, head over to milehighfi.com. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Mile High Five podcast. I'm Doug Cunnington, and today we're going to hit kind of an interesting topic. It's a little weird. Go with us on this. We're going to talk about why we should be kicked out of the Phi community. So Carl's out today. I think he's uh, working on the book. He's writing, or maybe he's going for a walk or working out. He's doing something cool. I'm not going to throw this guy under the bus every time now. So I have Amberly Grant hanging out with me today. Amberly, how's it going? I am doing great today. I've got my Knob Creek here. It's full of water. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, feeling good. Nice. Yeah, it's been, uh, you know, it's kind of summertime right now when we're recording. Have you been up to any, you know, air quote, like summertime or outdoor activities here lately? What have y'all been up to? Outdoor activities, you know, I have wanted to want to hike a long time. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> I always thought the want to want to do something yeah. with, with something that I'll like really never do, but it'd be really nice to be like that identity um, as like a hiker in Colorado. And that was our goal this year was to hike more. Okay. Guess how many hikes we've gone on? Zero. Good one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know if I've left the house much. In my defense, it's been raining. It's been raining a lot. A yeah. ton. Uh, so no, nothing interesting, but... I don't know if this is the time or maybe I should do at the end of this show about like this cruise that I'm planning. Okay. You know, because really this is why I should be kicked out of the Phi community (laughs) along with all the 25 Phi people who are coming with me on this cruise. 25? Yeah, I have 25 signed up so far. All right, well- now that you you brought it up, yeah, go ahead and tell us about it because I don't I don't even know all the details no, or anything. I know. Yeah, okay. Well, let me tell you. So, for anyone who's listening, there will be time for you to sign up if you want to join us on the least fi friendly thing you can do, which is jump on a cruise in a huge, you know, go go in the ocean. Um, so, my little Amberly Grant Finance Community Fin Talks Community, we decided I don't even know how this came up, but we wanted to go on a cruise. And I figured, I've always kind of wanted to go on a cruise. I thought they might be a bit boring for me. Who knows? Whatever. There's a lot of consumption that goes on this kind of thing. It's very indulgent thing. But if you get a group together, you get a group rate for the cruise. You get to share a cabin with someone you know and like or someone you know and will like in the future because you shared a cabin with them. And so we just started, I just started planning this thing. Okay, so here are the, here's the details. We are leaving January or February. We'll know at the end of June here. So when you guys, uh, when this comes out, we'll actually have everything and pricing down. So it is a January or February cruise. We do not want to interfere with March break or Christmas time. It's leaving out of Galveston, Texas, because there's a really great cruise boat. I think it's called like the Navigator or something. We're going for Royal Caribbean because a few of our five friends have like crazy points for that and they're going for like diamond level stuff so we want to um you know be cognizant of what they've got there um so royal caribbean out of galveston texas i think that goes to like cozumel or something like that and it's five days so we're just figuring out the dates right now and pricing 
I know it's going to be approximately under $1,000 per person, including flights, depending on where you're coming from in the country. Um, So it's actually very reasonable. There'll be about 25 of us, maybe more. Um, And I'm really excited. That's cool. Is that uh, like food and drink included with that price? So food would be included and then drink, you have to buy one of two drink packages. You have to buy like the cheap drink package, which is just like coffee and tea. And then soda water is like a second package. Um, And then there's alcohol, which that's where things start to increase. And of course, you have to tip people. So before the cruise, we have two members of FinTalk's community, um, Paula and Josh, who are avid cruisers so we'll have like a big information session of like you're allowed one bottle of wine if you don't drink you bring a bottle of wine for someone else kind of thing you know like Mm -hmm. what are all the do's and don'ts of the cruise and how to kind of hack the cruise um and so we'll have a a session on that which will not be recorded because there may be some tips and tricks that aren't approved by the cruise line (laughs) that's cool that's very cool yeah and what other questions yeah that is a pretty reasonable price for five days and you get to hang out what's the so you said at least 25 people so that's like the minimum to get the block no the minimum is 10 rooms okay and 10 rooms equals two people per room so we want 20 or some i know some people who are going to pay the the additional amount yeah it's not even double it's like sometimes it gets like 50 or 70 percent extra um so it's not like 100 percent extra and they'll get their own room um or couples who are just like an automatic two. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that will be accounted for in that 10. But essentially we need 20 people to get a group discount. And if we don't, we'll just have everyone book individually and we'll make it happen. Gotcha. And then is there any like top limit? Right. Oh, it, like, can you just have, if 50 people want to go, oh, yeah. it's fine. We are totally There's room fine. on the boat. Yeah, yeah. So essentially after 16 rooms, I think it is, I have to put a p- deposit down, $50 per room. Oh, so then I'm going to take a deposit from everyone else. Right. And if I lose it, you lose it. You know, or you lose <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. I lose it. Okay. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah, All isn't right. it? Is there going to be a specific theme or have you thought yes. that far? Well, theme? I don't know the theme yet, but the idea was, so there's always a theme night on the cruise and you don't know what it is, I guess, at the time, like before mm. you board, but we are going to do a theme night for our little group. And the night before, so it's always encouraged, I guess, to come to the city beforehand and stay in a hotel so that you don't miss flights and then you don't get on the cruise. Cause hey, if it's leaving, it's leaving. You're not mm-hmm. you're not showing up. Um, so we're all gonna get together beforehand and we'll do a big group discount at a hotel room, like a hotel block, right? Mm-hmm. At a, a hotel beforehand. We'll have an event that night. So we all get to meet up, hang out. And then on the cruise, I've been told it's not really budget friendly to be able to like uh, get rooms. So you can get like a conference room. And my friend told me it's not really worth the money. Mm -hmm. So let's try and do the activity beforehand. Like the night before we'll do happy hour. Everyone can hang out, get to know each other a little bit. Then on the cruise, we'll all have, I'm going to make lanyards for everyone. And then you can put your your uh, key card for your room in there. And the lanyard will have your name. And so everyone can kind of identify you throughout the the cruise and then we'll have some activities on there of course that everyone gets together at certain times okay but yeah cool that's awesome i know i'm excited, I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. yeah i don't know if i'll be able to make it but that sounds pretty fun yeah okay cool so we'll put more information i'm sure you'll have a page on your site or some kind of thing like that right yeah cool eventually <laughs> right okay so we're going to talk about why we should be kicked out of the FI community in this kind of in, in jest, you know, we shouldn't really be kicked out. It's just, actually, 
before we started recording, you said this eloquently. So hopefully I'll, I'll tee you up here, but we sort of had an idea from some of the early community um, influencers and bloggers about like what Phi would look like. And I'll kick it over to you now. Yeah, I think a lot of us in this space have come to it from a place of scarcity, a bit of frugality, um, you know, obviously caring about the environment, which should be for everyone. And there's certain rules we live by that when people step outside those rules, we can easily point to them and say, like, you are not fire or you're not doing this thing. And recently, I have noticed a shift in the FI space where it's allowed um, other people to come in and redefine what FI is because this narrow bubble that all of us have lived in and truthfully hold each other to is kind of ridiculous because we all don't have the same way of getting to FI, fire. We don't have the same way of um, what we want to do after fire. And so... Kind of the shifting from scarcity and accumulation and almost like hoarding of money is really changing towards a bit of spending and living life in the moment now. Because what is $7 million going to do for you when you're dead? And I think I really very much connect with that and appreciate it. And truthfully, FIRE is two different things. It's financial independence, retire early. And you can satisfy any of that however you want to and be yourself. And I find that's a much more forgiving space to exist in, in this community. Well said. So we'll talk about some of our failures, things where we actually, we would label it a failure. Yes. And then some others where we just kind of deviate from what a lot of people do generally, especially that sort of traditional FI idea. Yep. Also worth it to point out, like, there's just a shift in general in the conversation. So in the, I don't read many blogs, but like I listen to a handful of the podcast and I know like mad scientist, Brandon, he has shifted. So if you were to listen to some of his early shows, it's completely different. Um, the last couple shows we interviewed him, Carl and I interviewed him here um, like a year and a half ago and he was already exploring like spending more yeah. and he had Brandon had Ramit Sethi on his show to talk about consumption and spending more and just like living a rich life yeah. right um, Carl and Mindy were recently on I will teach you to be rich and I think the the tagline the title is like we had we retired early with 4.3 million dollars why can't we be happy yeah it's basically spend it and it was i mean kind of a dramatic episode yeah. <laughs> so the whole conversation shifting uh choose fi brad um i think he's kind of shifting the direction of the show a little bit mm -hmm. and there's a lot more conversations about spending and doing things that, you know, you find valuable versus just continuing to, you know, stack more money in the piles yeah. in your basement or whatever. So, and if I can um, talk a little bit more about that, about what I've seen from my community of FinTalk people, as well as um, others, there's the general population 
who spends way above their means. They don't have the financial independence part, meaning they'll never be able to fully retire or whether retirement is going to look drastically different than they're spending today because they don't have enough. And then you have our community who has in the accumulation phase, right? Because there's two different phases of our journey, which is accumulate as much as possible, as quick as possible, and then slowly 4% deplete that over time, although it never really depletes. That's the idea of 4%, right? <laughs> um, and I see a lot of people who finally hit that hill from accumulation because if I'm a younger person, I still need to be aware of my spending. I can't, we can't be like, hey guys, YOLO, fuck it all, woohoo, um, <laughs> right? But we can say in that, in that accumulation phase, maybe you give yourself a little bit more wiggle room so that at the top, when you hit that peak of like you're done, maybe it's two years later, but you also went on 17 more vacations in that time frame. And then that that spending, right, the drawdown phase, that's where I'm watching my friends struggle. People like, you know, who retired early in their 30s. I think Mad Scientist is one of those people who really come to a crisis. And I see my friends who have millions of dollars who can't spend like I love Ramit's thing of like blueberries at the grocery store, right? And so this is where um, the sh the shift is going, and I, yeah. I like that we're starting to be like, buy your fucking blueberries, you idiot! Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or yeah. in in you pointed it out really well, so we won't give a million caveats here, yeah. but like there is an accumulation phase, yes. and there's a you know at one point people wanted to be really aggressive, do it in under fifteen hundred days, for example, <laughs> and then we have like. Uh, Jess and Corey from like Pioneers, right? Mm -hmm. And um, they're doing slow fi. Yeah. And you can take your time. And yep. I think that's a much better approach generally because why <laughs> why continue to be miserable for several years when yeah. you could just do something different? Right. And the miserableness isn't going to end. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. Let's get into this, how we're failures. Yeah, we, we are. All right. And we're going to do kind of a quick quick hit list a little bit and we'll dive into some of the details. Okay. So Amberly, I know you were putting together the list. You just want to hit some of them sort of as mile markers. And yeah. Just read them out. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, credit card points, budgeting and tracking your expenses, 4% rule, optimizing backdoor Roth IRAs and 401ks and HSAs and conversion ladders and every other acronym out there. Um, savings rate, frugality. How frugal are you? <laughs> Mindfulness about consumption. Hopefully everyone is there. And then whole life insurance, engineering degrees. Have you gone to university? Did you travel or did you just like hunker down? Have you gone on a cruise? Um, bought a single family home, bought a new car. All these ways mm -hmm. you and I are failures. Yeah. All right credit card points and other travel rewards and all that kind of stuff. Are you pretty good at that? Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> I am such a failure at this. Okay, let yeah. me tell you about my like huge fails. One, I like, of course, I only sign up for a credit card if there's the right credit card bonus. Um, but two ways I failed at this. One, I spent 35,000 Chase Sapphire points in Thailand to travel around the country. So I like got some British Airways tickets, which I, of course, did not transfer to British Airways and then buy it from there. I just bought it off the Chase portal, which I think is the most expensive thing to do. Yeah. Anyways. I got like two free, free, two hotels, one by LAX before heading into Thailand. And then one, I think in Thailand. And then I had bought tickets from Bangkok to Chiang Mai in the North and then um, Bangkok to the South 
uh, for two people. So that's four, so eight tickets total uh, for like 35,000 points. Then I found out two, like my friend and her husband from Germany were in a totally separate island in Thailand. And we said, fuck it. Like didn't show up on any of those flights and just bought our own like money to this one island and then hung out with them for like a week and a half, which was amazing. Yeah. But also I literally was like, kiss goodbye to all those because I tried to like get the money back and they're like, no, we can't do this. And then I just, it wasn't worth it. And my other one was I attempted to get Southwest Companion Pass. So I signed up for the Southwest card, got like the 100,000 points. Um, And then... I thought that you had to like do it in like that year. Then you were supposed to also get, I was supposed to, cause it wasn't a, like, it was like 130 you needed. So then I needed to also get like another thing that was like 30,000 points. I don't know. I clearly <laughs> didn't keep track of any of this. And then I get to like January and I was like, oh, clearly I'm not getting this companion pass because I like missed the deadline to do it in time. And, um, and then it was after that experience um, these are like four years apart. So I, I've tried twice, um, <laughs> that I have now like 180,000 chase points just sitting there and like 150,000 Southwest points just sitting there because I refuse to spend them because I'm so <laughs> terrible at this. Okay. Help guys. This is great. Yeah. So I'm going to, there's a couple of things. I'm going to give you advice, which is yes. surely going to be wrong because I <laughs> suck at this too. Okay. So people, please, um, you can reach out to Amberly directly. <laughs> I need a plan. Instagram, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So one thing that I like that you did yeah. um, when you you booked all those um, flights in Thailand, yeah. you you spent money, you did the thing, you viewed it as a sunk cost, and then you just moved on. Yes. Like you, you were like, this is a better option right now. And I just lost all those points. That's yeah. fine. Like it was gone. So I'm glad that you did that because that's really hard to do to just like literally like throw away those points yes. but it was the right move yeah. okay thanks i am pretty bad at points as well mm-hmm. i don't do i don't get new credit cards too often and i don't i don't i kind of hoard them right yeah so i'm getting over it a little bit okay. in in two ways the, it is not the optimal way to use the points i was listening to uh, actually the choose fi show today and they had um an expert right and it was like the the advanced like 201 like using points and like you know move it to british airways book the flight and then you like run around your house and then you know you get you get extra (laughs) points for that i don't know there's some magic shit going on i don't understand it yeah have two scoops of really hot salsa (laughs) it's something i don't know i think i think it's a little complicated so I, i don't quite get it but um basically i'm starting to uh, actually use the points because I, I I hoard them and I'm like, I have uh, about 200,000 points on United. So I got a new card. I um, spent the right amount of money. So I got 180,000 points and I've continued to use it some, but I kept like just booking my flights and paying for them because I was like, oh, I want to accumulate more points. Yeah, It's the same problem as like saving too much right. and then not being able to spend it. So... I'm really valuing these points. And then I was like a little afraid that I'm not going to use them well. So I don't use them. Yep. And then it's really hard to make the decision. The other thing is it's like there's, there's value to them mm-hmm. and I'm not using it at all. So it's right. kind of, it's a depleting, you know, there's some depreciation I think that happens with them. Yeah. I'm and sure. They, the points actually get devalued. I guess Southwest just changed their policy, right? 
So my points are worth less than they were before. And they're never going to go up, right? So that I know that even if it's relatively stable or whatever, um, they're never going to go up. So anyway, I booked a flight to visit um, my sister in Richmond and I used the points and I was like, I did a little math. I like Googled it and I was like, okay, this seems okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, I found out like the the real pros are trying to get like um, two cents per point or something like that. I didn't get anywhere close to that. I I think it was like a uh, 1.2 or something like that. So it's fine, but I'm like, I'm using them and I'm not hoarding them. Yes. And that's fine. The other thing that I've done to stop hoarding the points um, and I have like a, a Chase Inc., that I typically use as my business card. Yeah. And I will accumulate, I was I was accumulating a bunch of points and I'm like, oh, I'll buy something cool to reward myself. Mm-hmm. But again, kind of a depreciating thing and there's a cash value to those. I literally can get cash back. Not the optimal thing, Yeah, but that's what you should do with your points. You yeah. should just get cash back yeah. and move forward Walk because away. then you will treat it how you should, which that is money Yeah, and just get the, what'd you say? 180,000 yeah, points. 180, so it's 1800 bucks, right? Just get the $1,800, um, get it to pay off your balance. And then you move forward, accumulate yeah. more, do the same thing in a few months. Right. I like this. It's not <sighs> optimal and people will yell at me, No, yeah. but it's that, then you don't have to think about it. No. And the thing is, I don't think I'm ever going to get on this points game. I've been like trying it. for years, <laughs> yeah. years. Yeah. And like, all, it's, um, yeah, when I listened to that Choose a Fi show, I was like, cool, you know, like many things, the first step, you're like, all right, I'm, yeah. maybe I can do this. And then um, two or three steps card. later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> After a minute, I'm just like, I'm not going to do all that stuff. It's it's too much and I don't find it fun. Some people do. Yeah. That's that's really cool. I know. I, that's one thing I wish I was like, okay, if, I wish I really found this fun because people, I find other things fun. Like give me landlording problems. Hell yeah. Give me like house <laughs> things. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Points. I want to throw up in a bucket. Yeah. And it's like. I don't know. It's yeah. it seems intentionally complicated. Yeah. And um I'm prone to those kind of mistakes. So do you think you're a perfectionist? I am not. Okay. No. All right. Then I yeah. went. I, I used to be. Yeah. I, I used to be. And Pepper. I think like if I tried to do this, like this game is optimization yeah. and perfection. Yeah. And um Yeah. So that's why I like the whole just get cash then because yeah. it's the perfection thing. I think that's like I'm not doing it right. Like you yeah. said. So yeah. Yep. Cool. All right. Next is budgeting and expense tracking. Amberly, are you pretty good at that? Fuck no. <laughs> You're going to hear a theme here. I don't know. I'm a lot. No. So am I going to revoke my fi card? Please don't. Um, I thought budgeting is like such a key thing. Yeah. So, well, I guess I technically budget. I think I talked about it here on the show once. Um, and I'm curious what you do. I do like zero-based budgeting. Essentially, I put all the money I need to towards my 401k. So max that out. My HSA, my Roth IRA, you know, backdoor Roth it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I got one thing down. Um, And I hate budgeting. I have tried my whole life to like do a proper budget spreadsheet. Like you only spend this much on food and this much. The fact is, is I don't spend a lot of money on myself and not in like a, a like proud way as in like. It's something I'm actually working on right now. And that's part of this conversation. I have something um, that I just did. 
So essentially, if I've put all this money away, I put a bunch of money towards brokerage accounts every single month, and then I just let anything that's in my account do whatever I want with. And a lot of times it just ends up accumulating and then I do like lump summing into my brokerage or, you know, I, I happen to have $10,000 extra, uh, mm-hmm. which is a very privileged thing to say. And so I stuck it in my kid's 529 before he was born, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I do things where it's like I, I, I take care of my future self, my brokerage self, and mm-hmm. then the rest is like, I don't know, whatever I want to do with it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So we... I I am not good at budgeting either. Mm-hmm. I think we do basically like expense tracking. Mm-hmm. My wife Elizabeth is very good at budgeting and she has been since she was um like managing her finances or whatever in college or high school or so. And I I think she kind of treats it uh, sort of the zero based as you mentioned where pay for the stuff you need to pay for and then the rest just accumulates right and that that is what happens and I, I tend to do that but i think she i'm more of a spender and she's more of a saver right quick little example a thing you know talking about spending more one little debate we had we have a peacock you know the the uh streaming service oh yeah peacock right and like a lot of the services these days like you could pay like one amount and you have like some commercials and then the premium, there's no commercials and it's a trivial amount. Right. And she's like, Oh wow. It's going to be whatever more money. Yeah. Like $5. <laughs> yeah. It's $5 a month or something. And I fucking hate the commercials. Right. Even if it's only a minute or yeah. whatever, like I just like, don't show the commercials. We could buy our way out of this one. <laughs> it's so easy and it's not that expensive. Uh, but she was like, oh, it's like $5 more. Like, no, I'm not going to do it. And I'm yeah. like, oh, Jesus Christ. So now we have to watch like the whatever one minute of a commercial, like every 15 minutes or something. Yeah. It sucks. Yeah. It's so dumb. Yes. Um, but this it was why we very got streaming in the first place. Like, to not watch. Just... I know. I know. So in like on Hulu, like I'm in charge of that account. And it's the premium one. No commercials, like no no BS. So yeah. um, the, the point being, she's a little more conscious on like a, e- even a very small level. Yeah. Um, I, I have my own quirks too, but of generally, course. even for trivial amounts, but um, but generally I'm, I am very comfortable with sp- spending money. Yeah. So the, the budgeting, not very fun to me. And the, the zero based kind of thing where I'm like, oh, there's extra money in the account. Yeah. I could spend that. That's okay. Yeah. We're trying to get, um, I think I mentioned this on a show in the last six months or something. We're trying to get a better handle on our like sort of post fi expenses to really understand. Yes. Because I mean, this happens a lot when people retire. You just spend more because you're like, I'm going to do trips. And not that either of us have retired, yeah. but we're like, we're going to do more shit yeah. um, right now. Yep. And it's hard to understand how much that's going to be. Yeah. So we're trying to keep a kind of a closer eye on it to understand maybe for the next 15 to 20 years what our real expenses are. Yeah. Um, even though we, we have a lot of historical data, but... Um, we may be spending a little bit more if we're doing a lot more travel. Right. That, that kind of thing. Well, something they keep in mind there is like the thing that we talked about at the beginning is that people find it hard to spend. So although you have the assumption that you're going to travel more in mm-hmm. this retirement phase, you know, or like the actual like stepping away from work phase, 
you may have a lot of emotional things tied up into that accumulation yeah. and lack of spending. Yeah. And so you you may spend less or the same as you do in that time. Hopefully it's more within reason, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When I was going to say, you know, there's a couple guitars around us right now yeah, and I'm yeah. like, I could, th the good part is these actually hold value decently yes. well. So if I buy like a used one, I'm not, it's kind of like, um, I can't think of another good example off the top of my head, but um, if you bought a guitar that was used, yeah. got a decent price, I'll be able to sell it for about the same. I'm yeah. not going to lose a ton and maybe I keep it for four or five years and yeah. then I sell it for like 1800 bucks and I bought it for like 1900 or yeah. something like that. Yes. Um, but anyway... I, don't, I won't have a problem spending money, unfortunately. No, no, no. Well, and it's just, yeah. it's just, um, we're doing the same thing, but we're doing something a bit slightly different. We were in Crested Butte hanging out with my friend Mark the other day. And um, I came there with like all my things, like here are all my, here are all my accounts. Here's how much yeah. I have in them. Here's kind of like roughly what I think my expenses will be based on what we do today. Mm -hmm. Like, where am I in 10 years? Where am I in, in 30 years? So like what... How much do I really need to put away today mm -hmm. so that I can live within my means? So like, you know, the zero-based budgeting, am I putting away, away enough? Am I doing enough is really what I was wondering. And technically, I had achieved phi when actually like last year, but then I went and bought a single family home and like pay my own mortgage now. So I'm like, oh, that kind of kicked me out of that one. And so like still okay, but not with our spending. And so we were trying to figure out exactly what does it look like so we can spend more today. Because I'm just like watching all, all the people in this space and having so much issues. And I'm like, I just, I could be that. And I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. And that's um, funny. Like I, I'll talk to you afterwards, but you know, Mark, he's been on the show. Yes. Right. Mark's money mind. Yep. And I don't have, a, I don't have his t-shirt on today, but I have one of his t-shirts. Um, but yeah, I want to check out and basically do the same exercise. Actually, I want Elizabeth to go through the same exercise yeah. with Mark. Yeah. And this is one of the things like Elizabeth and I sort of uh, clash on this. Cause I'm like, you know, we bet the 4% rule a couple years ago. It's always a moving finish line. Right. Yeah. And uh, a lot of the books that we talk about, um, it kind of references this where it's like, if you, if you could save enough for the 4% rule and be comfortable, you can be a little bit more comfortable if you save, Two hundred thousand more dollars, and a little yes. bit—it's yes. just a, yes. it's a little creeping. Yeah. Um, you move like the goal budget, posts. yeah. And you, uh, if you get into the habit, you never get to the finish line. Yes, and uh, that's no fun for me. I don't like no. that. Right? Yeah. You just keep accumulating, and then you end up in the situation that we're talking about. And yeah. uh, like when Carl and Mindy were on on the show, they're like, "Yeah, if we keep up doing this, we're going to have like thirty some odd million dollars right. in." you know, whatever, 30 years. Right. And that's not what they're, that's not what they're trying to do. No. Um, go ahead. Yeah. And, and for them and for me and for you, you've got Georgie to think about, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> and like, for me, it's like the kid, we chose for my partner not to go to work for the next three years. So like, he's going to stay home with our kids until they're like the time where you kind of want to socialize them at two years mm -hmm. old. And so we want to have a second kid. So that's literally like three to four years away. And what we have like thought about a lot is like, okay, is this the right choice? And doing these things, like these exercises of being like, hey, in 30 years, we're going to have like $5 million or like in 10 years, we're going to have 1.1 in a brokerage. That's not living off of 
the rentals. That's not selling the rentals. That's just brokerage. Like I, four years of not working doesn't even like that's with four years of not working. That's that's 10 years of not him not working. That's not yeah. even him adding value in that way or adding value to the houses and redoing them and stuff. And so we can now sit at home guilt-free that he's hanging out with our kid and not being like, should he work? Should he not? Should he take this $40 an hour job? Should we not? Like, mm-hmm. no, like you're not working for four years. Cool. We're good. Yeah. It's Still crazy. get to our goal. It's crazy. Cause you know, you think back like 15 or 20 years ago, like the financial positions that we were in and it's like, yeah. we, it's unthinkable. Like the, the choices that we are making now, like yeah. it doesn't even make sense. Yes. And so that's one of my theories of life which we're totally off topic, but one of my (laughs) theories here is, okay, I've only been in charge of my life. So I'm 35 years old. Um, I know I look like 24. Um, (laughs) I'm just joking. You moisturize. You have a good routine. Right, yeah. We talked about this, Korean skincare. (laughs) Um, So, so, you know, I, I left home at 19. Before that, I, you know, I bought my own toothbrushes and saved money and, you know, had like a $6,000 that I moved to the US with. But at 19, I moved to the United States. So we can think that I've been in charge of my life for 16 years. I started with $6,000 that quickly went to zero and then built back up to what I have today. But that, what I have today, I really only accumulated over the past five years. But in the 16 years, I've accumulated knowledge, books, friends, resources, like confidence, all these things. And if I am at where I am today, what is 16 more years when I've had like... When I've already had this time to figure these this base part out, what do I do with that? Like it's mm-hmm. it's exponential, right? right? And so it's pretty cool how much work us in the space have done on ourselves and our finances to set us up in a place that we're just in such a great position that we can't even fathom what 16 more years will look like or however, 25 or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. Yeah. And like you, you're, I'm 35 years old. It's not that I've been even alive, I've been alive for 35 years, but I haven't been in charge yeah. for 35 years. Uh, yeah, I never thought of it like that. Yeah, it like gives me so much hope for the future. Yeah. Yeah. And then we'll get back on topic yeah. here for a second instead of we're just like, we're so great. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to hype us all up in this community. Like it's incredible, you know? And for, for me, you know, I'm thinking, like I said, Elizabeth and I, we kind of, we debate on like, you know, how, how close to like, she would even argue, Hey, we're not even at five yet. Yeah. And I'm like, I think we are like, if you do some calculations, depending on how conservative or whatever. Yeah. Um, and the thing is I'm still doing work and I'm doing things that I enjoy. And it is something that I'm confident about now where I'm like, if I sold if I, if the business like completely crumbled in like less than a year, I could have something else going that I would enjoy that I would use all this knowledge that I accumulated over the last few years, the network, all this stuff. So it's like, Oh, it's no problem at all. I could start another business pretty easily doing exactly what I want, helping different people. Like there's all these skills. And I know you're in a similar position where, I mean, you do have a W2, but you have like some entrepreneurial things that you're working on, uh, plus your real estate too. So it's like, there's no reason not to be super confident about like what you can do. Yep. That's exactly it. That you, if you had to start over today, you're not starting from 16 years ago. You're starting from today. Yeah. And what you can build can be quicker, better, more efficient. Yeah. It's amazing. 
We are so great, aren't we? Oh Jesus. my God, yeah. <laughs> All right, next <laughs> next one here. Okay, what about the 4% rule? So have you have you been doing a good job with that one? Fail. Okay. <laughs> um, so, I mean, like my story, right, is I only started making quote unquote real money like five years ago. Um, I got my first job that made more than 25000 so, so over 10 year time, essentially from the time I moved to the United States in 2019 until 29 years old, I made an average of $15,000 a year, um, according to my social security printout. And um, I didn't have money, right? And so I didn't put a lot of money towards my brokerage accounts and all that stuff. And so 4% rule is really, can you take that money out of those liquid assets to live off of semi-liquid assets, right? Um, and so I don't have that. I've, you know, Full disclosure, I think I have like 300,000, 330,000 is what I, what I calculated, 360,000 in retirement, IRAs, ca- like brokerage, cash, that's mm-hmm. including like emergency funds and stuff. Um, and that is not enough to live off of today. But my rentals make thousands a month. And so technically with this new house, not so much, right? Because this eats into that, but I can live off that easily. Got it. Yeah. Okay. And that, I think that is, um, that's fair. That's another big, we didn't put much in here about like real estate, but, yeah. uh, you know, 4% rule and the retirement accounts, brokerage account, that's kind of like one of the traditional yes, views, exactly. yeah. but like real estate is, uh, maybe even bigger and it's a faster way to do it. Cause you're, you're leveraging and, you know, not my thing, but it's definitely a faster way to do it if you want to get into real estate well that's it right and like this that the money the cash i have today doesn't include if i were to sell my real estate if i sell my real estate i have like a million bucks um but i like the cash because i make more on the cash than i would sell it and eventually eventually. you'll just own this exactly and i don't pay those mortgages nice yeah all right. And for me, 4% rule, you know, wasn't on my radar until like maybe the last few years anyway. Yeah. But we were, um, you know, both my wife and I, even though I wasn't good at budgeting and had some other issues that I was, um, you know, not saving as much <laughs> as I should. Right. Um, but I did max out my 401ks um, in my early years. So that's the nice part um, with compound interest after 25 years that does add up to quite a bit. And I didn't do it like every single, um, every single year that I was working, but I did for like the first several, which is obviously from a compound interest standpoint, that's the important ones. Exactly. Um, Yeah. So we actually did pretty good on the 4% rule and because we don't do the real estate stuff. Success. Yeah. That's what we, that's what we're working on. Okay. And speaking of that, um, I did open a Roth IRA fairly early on after I, I got a job. I did not do an HSA. Um, I generally have failed with any of the more advanced um, concepts. So conversion ladders, the backdoor yeah. Roths, and I looked at it a little bit, but um I don't find it very exciting. No, I found them very complicated. So backdoor Roth IRA, I it literally took me 10 months to figure out how to do it. People kept sending me videos. I think someone, maybe it's the mad scientist or someone does like a great video on it and yeah. I cannot understand it 
what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I don't understand this. I literally had to have a friend, and I've had friends explain it to me over and over again. It's so simple, Amberly. Once you do it, it's simple. So um, for any of you struggling with that, it ain't simple. Yeah. Uh, do you know it well enough to tell us what it is or who it's for at least? What well, problem does it solve? Yeah. The problem is that after a certain amount of money that you make from a W-2 or, or you know earned income, you can no longer contribute to your Roth IRA, which is your Roth individual retirement account. Um, and so at that point, you can only do a traditional account and the Roth grows tax-free and traditional does not. So you want to have things in different buckets and meaning if you can't contribute to your Roth, that bucket never gets filled. If you make over, it's like $124,000 for an individual earner. Um, And so when I hit that last year, I like, what do I do? I just put money in a traditional. I didn't even know that like, oh, I guess I can put money in a traditional. Does it have a limit? Because I never did it. I never made enough money. And um. It turns out what you can do is there's this loophole, which is you put the money into a traditional account, IRA, and then you immediately just put it into a Roth IRA. Mm -hmm. And that is it. And the cool thing I found was two things. I had someone walk me through it, literally like, show me this part. Okay, we're going to get on a call in five days once that's funded. And then we're going to do it again. And there's actually a write-up from someone I don't know who it is, white coat investor or mad findist or someone who literally goes and shows you the Vanguard screenshots. And that is the only way that I was able to do it. It was like, literally, it's like, push this button. And then I like, okay, I pushed the button, got it. And then it's like the next screenshot. Okay, then you push this button. And I did that. And that's how I finally got it at like October because it took me forever to do it. So, and that's one of the things, right? It's, um, it's, basically the high income earners, right? Yeah. So at some point you can't contribute to that mm-hmm. uh, Roth anymore. Yeah. Um, so luckily, you know, when I opened my Roth, I contributed yeah. appropriately. And I remember my, unfortunately, my insurance salesman slash advisor, which yes. we'll talk about shortly. Um, he was like, you should contribute to this. Um, I know it doesn't seem like it, but you're going to earn more money and you're not going to be able to put money in there anymore yes. at some point. And I was like, you're crazy because I made like whatever, $70,000 then. Yeah. Um, sure enough. Yep. Right. So, and that's one of the things. So I, I struggle. Um, this is kind of a general optimization thing. Um, one, I don't like optimizing that yeah. much. So that's a, that's a big strike against me just in general. But I also struggle with with this one, right? So we're going to come to one in a second. Um, this is about like avoiding taxes and taking advantage of loopholes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I don't love taxes, right? But I don't have an issue paying taxes. And I'm like, there's these weird rules. There's these loopholes that we could take advantage of and not pay taxes. And I'm like, I'm okay with t- paying taxes, and I'm not going to jump through all these hoops. Yep. Again, I don't find it enjoyable. Some people really like it, yeah. but I'm like, I'll pay my taxes. I'm not trying to get out of paying taxes. Yep. And I know some people are like, we're going to suppress our our uh, income after we retire yeah. so, so we can make sure that we're under some limit so we never have to pay taxes. That's cool. I'm not judging anyone, but I'm like, yeah. I'm not going to do that. Right. You're it's just a pain in the ass. ass. Yeah. Also. Well, that's like, you know, there's a conversion ladders, right? So that's that's the whole thing with like Roths is, you know, they you convert it and then you need to let it sit for five years before you can access that like five grand. Right. Right. And so those are like all these crazy optimizations. They have to really think about the future to do them. And your income in that moment has to be pretty low. 
because right. what's the point on converting your Roth when you're going to pay taxes on that traditional income anyways yep. at your individual rate? So if I'm making, let's just say, I don't make this, but like $200,000 a year and I'm at like a 25% tax bracket or 30 at that point, why would I do a conversion at 30% when I can wait to a year I'm not working? And then the year you're not working, you're more than likely either A, looking for a job, so you're kind of stressed, you forget that you should be doing this, you know, doing these these mm-hmm. little tradition, like these um, these tax advantage moves because you're too busy doing other things or you're traveling or you're having right. fun, right? And so it's it's something you have to really think ahead of. And, and I think this is really the case for a financial advisor. This is the yeah. time where you pay someone to say, hey, how do I optimize my life for the ni- next five to 10 years, not to avoid taxes, but to lower my taxable bill. Um, and then also you're gonna pay taxes no matter what, you can't get over it. But right. like, how do I how do I engage someone and pay them couple hundred dollars mm-hmm. and come up with a plan for me. And uh, the, the final thing here with, you know, the, the back door and some of the other ideas, um, because we funded our retirement accounts, accounts a lot in the beginning, yeah. we needed to put money in brokerage accounts. So there was a yes. period where we just stopped contributing because there was not too much, but there was a lot in those retirement accounts. Yeah. And we needed a brokerage account to have more flexibility. Yes. And we, I didn't put anything in any accounts until I opened a solo 401k, which I mean, I think that if you're a business owner, like that may be one of the the biggest things because I think it dwarfs the the other stuff that we've talked about so far. Cause I could put in like, um, instead of 20,500, it's like, 60,000 or yeah, something like, like that. Yeah, over 50,000. Yeah, exactly. And totally, right? These are these things that you don't quite know and you have to make enough money to do that, right? With the solo 401k, there's like rules around that of how much you can put in for how much you make. And um, I think all of it's it's fine and good. And like you said, you can have just too much for retirement or it's all locked away till 65. So where's, that, where's the bridge? Right. Yeah. Right. And I know there is one. <laughs> yeah. The optimization, it makes my head explode. So I move away from it. But one, one other thing, like it's, you know, locked away, quote unquote, locked away. And then someone reminded me, oh, you can get it out. You just have to pay the penalty exactly. and pay the taxes. And I was like, oh shit, would it have been better if I just maxed it out for all those years right. and then just paid the penalty? But you, you you never know the returns that it will be yeah. or when you would want to get to it. And I just wanted flexibility. It's yeah. good to have that, uh, the brokerage account too. Yeah, and so. I think what we're saying is like, every way, which way you slice the cantaloupe or whatever, like it's going to be fine. You're just going to enjoy the fruits of your labor at some point. Moving on. Next one is maximizing your savings rate. A lot of people do strive for like 50% or more savings rate, especially in the, you know, kind of traditional speed fi idea. So do you know what your savings rate is? I actually don't know what my savings rate is because I do the zero-based budgeting. (laughs) Um, I will say though, my first couple years of working, I know for a fact I only spent $1,300 a month and I was making 56,000 a year. Um, and that's Whoa. including rent in Denver, Colorado, <laughs> wow. um, with two roommates. And, and then for the subsequent year after that, when I bought my first house, I still only paid $1,300 a month total in expenses. And at that point I was making like a hundred thousand. So Damn. the, my rate savings rates probably gone from like 90% to depend. And if I buy a house in a year, then it's like probably like 40%. And then it's again to like 90 now being responsible for another human by having 
a, a, a husband and a baby, like, I don't know if I'll ever get to that 90% again. That's kind of insane. <laughs> um, that was that was frugal, fi, Amberly, um, single Amberly. But I would say it's at least around, I would say like 40 to 50%. Okay. I think so. Yeah, for the amount of my put away. All right. Yeah, I don't know mine either because of the, the budgeting style. Although we're keeping a closer look, but yeah, yeah I think it's probably like 40, 50%. Like, I don't think you get to where we are without it being that, right? Yeah. Like, no. And, I mean, we bought, we moved to, you know, expensive areas and we bought, like, kind of an expensive house compared to, like, the place we had in Bozeman was, like, half half the price of this. And, um, you know, our expenses went up here and there, but largely we're not doing anything crazy and we haven't been, like, upgrading, like, some people buy, like, a new car every couple of years or something like that. Um, So our expenses have been relatively stable. They Mm -hmm. they go up a little bit here and there, but okay. Up next is just the, uh, the frugality, which, you know, you just alluded to a little bit. So are you pretty good, uh, frugal, frugal lady? I am successful at being frugal. (laughs) And you know, this is something that I, I toy with a lot because with this whole, you know, spend lavishly on what you love, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I sometimes wonder, am I too frugal in certain ways? And the answer is no. Like, I find value out of buying. I was just talking to my partner. Out of buying things secondhand. So whether they're new things or or used things, I think it's really important for the sake of the world and planet. And honestly, like my own muscle of like not buying everything new. Like it's just a a weird thing I've never done my whole life that I. I, first thing I do is like, how can I get this secondhand? How can I borrow it from a friend if it's not something I'm going to use all the time and kind of bug someone? Mm-hmm. Um, how can I create community around something versus just going and getting it by myself? I also hate shopping. It's oh, like, yeah. <laughs> unless it's grocery shopping. Love grocery shopping. Um, but so like I dumpster dive, you know, like I don't actively go do that anymore. But when I was younger, I'd always like walk the alleys. Like if I'm walking home, I walk an alley because then I might find something really cool. You know, college move out. Um there's like some, I've just found such incredible things that I've rescued in a sense from the landfill, whether I've given them away or not. Uh, a brand new Patagonia rain jacket that was like $150 in the Whoa. sorority dumpster that I gave to my sister who still has it today. Wow. It's finally like failing, um, but it's Patagonia. So she can like, you know, talk to them. Um, you know, I've found so many things that just have been really great. Um, I have a 2013 Toyota Corolla with 60,000 miles on it. So that's like less than like 6,000 miles a year because uh, I love biking and it's like exercise. It's enjoyable. I've got some rain pants for like $119 so that the cold doesn't freeze my thighs anymore. Um, and my Toyota Corolla was like I mentioned before in an, another podcast is like this woman owned it. I took it over her lease and her lease was only $130 a month. Um, and then I bought it out for $13,000. Like, and I still own it today, you know? It's pretty yeah. sweet. Um, and where I want to fail, and it's just recently, I just signed up like two days ago. There's this thing called an Ipsy bag. So for all the ladies out there, um, this thing is awesome. It feels like Christmas once a month <laughs> because you get this little package, it's this little envelope. And in the envelope, they have this little um, this little 
bag and the bag has five beauty samples and you get to choose one at the, the beginning of every month and then the the four others they just put in there um, sometimes you get full-size products most of the time it's just like little samples and and you get to choose between like skincare hair care or makeup and you can say like i want more skincare less makeup or whatever, right? And so you can kind of toggle those things. Mm-hmm. And then you tell them like, is your skin type fair? Or your hair is, hair is brown, your eyes are brown, right? Um, and <laughs> it's so much fun. It's $16 a month. And I oh, stopped it for like a year and a half because I was having a baby move countries, first of all. So I couldn't get it delivered to Canada. And then I had a baby and then I bought a house and I like to stop all spending the second I'm about to buy a house. And then you're recovering from buying a house so only recently when I like sat in Crested Butte and I was like, you know what, Amberly? You can spend $16 <laughs> a month, girl, on something that you're excited about. So I did. That's cool. I know. Tell me about you. Frugality. Is that is that your Yeah. Is that your thing? Not not really. I think in certain areas I am. I also like uh, grocery shopping. Yeah. For like I I just enjoy it. Yeah. I don't like going when it's crowded or like mm. the Costco is always a little busy because everybody's still like really cool really, about it. Yeah, really <laughs> excited. But um, I like to find a deal. A lot of times I'll, um, you know, I won't go to the store thinking I'm going to get a steak or chicken or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like I, I look to see like what's priced well because yeah. it, it varies quite a bit and i'm not 100 percent sure why but occasionally like pork chops are right. way cheaper than they normally are so I'll, I'll i'll get those so i do like look for that sort of thing from just like a spending basis i think people get the idea that i at this point will pay for convenience yeah um almost a hundred percent of the time mm-hmm. and i'm experimenting with basically like little splurges. So I booked a couple flights. I booked a flight to uh FinCon, right? New Orleans coming up. Are you going? Yeah. All right, cool. And I was like, I haven't upgraded a seat before where I got like the extra leg room. Yeah. Cause it's like 90 fucking dollars each <laughs> way. Right. Yeah. And uh, occasionally I've been bumped up in recent years where um, for whatever reason, I got I got sat there even though I didn't pay for it. And I'm like, wow, it's not so bad flying. You know, yeah. this isn't too too bad. Um, but I was like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna pay for it and see if I enjoy it, even though it's like an extra hundred and eighty dollars. Yeah. So not very frugal at all. Little test. I think I'm gonna enjoy the extra room. Yeah. Generally, um, and otherwise, I do I do like to to spend here and there. And I'm, I've gotten better over the years to like get the appetizer or I think I've, I've told Carl or someone in the podcast that it's tough to, you know, pay the extra for like the guac, uh, when I have, you know, whatever cheap avocados, I think we talked about it. We talked about avocados before, right? We may have, I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. We did at Costco and how they were like really expensive for a minute. Yeah. The price came back down. And the thing is, um, it's quite expensive. So it's still tough occasionally for me to be like, give me that. Um, give me the guac. And um, someone actually called me out. They texted me, a, a friend of the show. I, I can't remember. I think it could have been JT. But anyway, I was like, yeah, I got a burrito out. Mm-hmm. And then we brought it home. And I was like, oh, yeah, we have our guacamole that I made. Yeah. So I, I put it on there. I didn't like bring guac to 
a restaurant or whatever like uh Imagine. napoleon dynamite is like loose in my pocket you yeah. know i'm just like hey do you want to go hawk on yours and right. give a fistful um it was something we were getting to go anyway yeah. Yeah. And, and brought it home so yeah. anyway yeah i'm not super frugal and one thing i'm trying to get over i got this from my mom she um she would buy stuff because it was a good deal, even if she didn't need it. Yeah. And then she would buy like cheap, shitty stuff. Right. And it's like, oh yeah, we just have like something that we don't need. She would often think like, oh, I'm going to gift it to someone. Yes. Um, and I still will, I'm like, oh, that's a good deal. I will get that. But now I know like it, I need to have a really good reason. Like I need to want it, not just like buy it because it's a good, good deal. Good. It could even be a good value, but I, yeah. like- I'm not trying to You're accumulate junk. Right. So, does you, do you do that too or? Never. Okay. No, no, but I totally understand that mentality. Yeah. Like that is the thing, right? It's, um, you know, every boxing, I'm Canadian, so boxing day or Black Friday, mm-hmm. um, that whole thing of if you weren't going to spend the $50 in the first place, a $50 savings isn't savings, right? Like yep. you're still spending 50 bucks. And I think it's just something... With that frugality, we're all, some people are really cheap on food. I think buying cheap food is a terrible idea, right? Right. Like my health and other things, my energy levels matter to me that way. And so there's things I'm frugal on and there's things I'm not. Like we literally went through our visa bill today because we're like, how do we have like a $6,000 visa bill or whatever? And we're like, what's going on here? We're like dealing with immigration. So that's three grand right there. Um, Like that's just this part of the immigration step. That's not even like before we're coming up um but three grand right there and we're like okay that makes sense and we're like looking through it and we're like costco costco home depot home depot costco home depot <laughs> ipsy fifteen dollars like <laughs> yeah. starbucks four dollars we're like okay there's nowhere we can cut like right. we're not gonna knock out a starbucks or like the local coffee shop because we're gonna save fifteen dollars a month like yeah yeah and, and then costco what What's the average? Just like 250 bucks a, a visit or something right yeah well and i have a six foot one large <laughs> man who eats food um so my bill like tripled from being a single female like 200 bucks a month or i don't know i always spent like maybe 300 on food just myself because i buy like really um good food right and um until like now it's like 600 something like that for two people okay yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's a big dude yeah, he, he big can dude. eat yeah exactly yeah, yeah yeah he works out you know yeah. so one thing i was gonna say too i just wrote this one down but um so we just got married uh and we went to vegas and part of our they were gonna have like a party in september with some family and friends but our whole thing was it was like this really awesome way to do it our way we met in vegas by the pool 11 years ago we rekindled our relationship by meeting up in vegas and hanging out and then um we decided we'd get married by elvis in vegas and the whole thing cost us like $1,300 for like a four day stay, including like marriage license, like dresses, (laughs) rings, marriage license, like literally everything. And, and we weren't even trying to be cheap. We just like, like didn't need to spend that much money. Right. And it was amazing. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So frugal win. Yeah. That's, um, I think that's something people could could do it's tough there's family politics people have to deal with with marriages but we did we did an elopement package in uh north georgia at a, at a just a little 
not a motel. It was like a B and B, like yeah. a traditional B and B. Um, and just invited like the remaining grandparent and our parents, like not right. even siblings. So it was like it basically cost the same as what what you yeah. described. Yeah. Um, instead of whatever thirty thousand dollars or some yeah. kind of big thing. So and we're gonna do a party in September, which will probably cost us like three thousand because we're gonna do like food and drink for like two full days. You know. Yeah. Um, and but this thing, like that was the whole thing family politics started getting involved like it was like oh well i can come and watch your kid while you get married and we're like uh but then his family can't come down because they're in vancouver and it's too last minute and they have a kid in school and my family could two of my sisters could just show up and then and then my aunt's like well you know i'll show up and then my sister's like well i found we want to stay at the hotel we met at um we already had like our, our hotel stay and and my sister's like well why don't we just like find somewhere on the strip like we found i found this condo we should all go to and i was just like Okay. <laughs> so I just like called everyone. Hi, I really appreciate it. I'm so excited that you're excited, but we're just going to do it this way. Yeah, yeah. Just us. Yeah, you just have like a couple more people and then it yes. gets out of hand. I, it does. It literally was just two people and it was like, okay, now we've just upset some people and yeah, yeah. Shut so, this shit down. It's tough to, yeah. If people could do that, do it. It's, yeah. It was a, like a great move. We did like a three month, three month engagement. That was it. Yeah. So like, there wasn't even like time to right. plan and make it a pain in the ass. It was yeah. like, this is fast. Let's just do this. Right. Like we can use this as an excuse. <laughs> yeah. And and some people have family money and things and I don't like, I have to pay for my parents to come down and things like that. So it's like, it just doesn't, things are different for everyone. Yeah. Okay. As we are kind of wrapping up, I'm going to mm-hmm. do a, a quick hitter, uh, something we talked about at length before. So I had a whole life policy. which uh, ended up being a a bad, you know, bad investment advice, a bad investment in general. And one of the shows that we recorded spawned me to close the account, which I had thought about for years. And I closed it earlier this year. Yep. And I kept it long enough where I didn't lose money. No. So. It was great. Yeah. So we got out of it. Thanks for your help on that. Yep. One other quick fail that um, I had was not house hacking very well. So I had my, my first house and I had a roommate and he paid for like half of the rent. And I think I just spent the money. Yeah. So that, that didn't go very well. And I really could have done a better job house hacking. Cause I, I, I like, I knew people, someone I rented a, a room from, they were like, yeah, when we got married, we bought a triplex. We lived in this unit. We rented <laughs> out the other two. And that was like in the mid eighties or something like that. And, you know, whatever house I was in, it was probably like a million plus dollar play, you know, it was a triplex, but, um, they were like, yeah, we have a couple of these and that's how we started off. And I was like, oh, cool. And I just, I didn't, I didn't know that I could have found something like that. Right. It was more expensive when I was looking, but, um, anyway, I did a very bad job at house hacking and that could have change things significantly all right do you have any quick hitters uh for me it was just you know i didn't go to university till 25 years old graduated 29 spent my 20s traveling the world which like literally sounds yeah. like a humble brag but like <laughs> yeah. i had no money right yeah. um i'd i'd work three jobs then i take six months off and travel or do whatever work odd jobs around the the world and so yeah i made fifteen thousand dollars a year until i was 29 years old um and like that ain't a lot no. No. And then, well, and it's funny. It is like a humble brag. You're like, I traveled the world. Yeah. 
you know, you didn't make much, but how many countries did you go to? Like 16 or something. Crazy. Yeah. And like lived in a lot yeah. of them. So and it made me who I am, right? So I was able to kind of pick up the ball running after that. Didn't have a lot of questions about who I was or all that stuff. It was, I really figured out who I was on those those yeah. travels and what I was capable of, which is really cool. Um, and I, I just, yeah, I recommend that for people. Even if you're like, you're like, take that gap year between jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, it, we could fail all these things. Literally, I'm like looking <laughs> at this list. We fail it all. And look where we are. Yeah, yeah. Like better off than most of the population. Like, yeah. and and working to be better, right? We've we've worked on ourselves. We've worked on our finances. We've worked on our relationships. Um, and we've created this really great, like, community of people around us so that we can continue to move forward in our lives. So no, how, however you get here, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of failures. We um, we didn't make any catastrophic mistakes, so that's good. And we got a couple more we'll hit here. So yep. one of the other sort of like core ideas is around mindful consumption, mm-hmm. and not ev- not everyone does this. And the the thing that I find interesting, by the way, I'm I am not really that great at this. Um, I mean, I I try not to create like extra waste. And like recycle as much as I can, even though I'm pretty sure they just throw it in the landfill. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do what I can <laughs> as much as I can. Actually, a great example is to actually reuse shit. So yes. Amberly is drinking out of, um, there's a liquor bottle, which is thick glass. So I typically, I try to reuse that stuff instead of just like throwing it out or, you know, recycling it. They can recycle glass, but me reusing it is a lot more efficient yes. than like shipping it somewhere melting and all that kind of stuff. Agreed. Um, I have a V8 truck, which is a, you know, it's a full size F-150. And from a, I'm going to, I can justify anything. So go with me on this one. So while it is a V8 and it gets bad gas mileage, I drive less than so many other people that I bet I have like less of a carbon footprint with my truck than someone that drives a Tesla right now. And it's an old truck. The other argument is if I sold it or got rid of it, someone else may drive the hell out of it. It's actually better in my hands because I'm not driving it much. Okay. Yeah. Um, Going with this. Yeah. And I I don't know. And I haven't done the math on the carbon footprint stuff. You're just making an assumption. Yeah. Yeah. But I bet it's a pretty solid one. Yeah. Um, Because there's a lot of materials in a a new, even a very efficient electric car. Yes. But I'm just talking out of my ass. I really really don't know. Well, there's a whole thing about the batteries, right? So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, reusing stuff is one of the best things you could do. So I have this old truck and, you know, I may, I may get rid of it at some point and someone would drive it a lot more and it would, you know, it'll create more pollution. Yeah. I'll, and I'll kick it over to you in a second, but the other thing is the mindful consumption, I feel like is a really hard thing to pair with frugality because yes. a lot of times the frugal option is not the best option for the environment or the most effective or efficient way to do it. It's like, it's the cheap version or the cheapest version, not cheap versus frugal, but it's the most inexpensive thing to do. So do you agree with that or? Yeah. You know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to go with you on this one. Cause I, I think that there is a difference right between cheap frugal as in like, Oh, do you tip or do you not tip? But then it's also what you buy. 
And that's like the whole thing with food. Do you buy the cheapest food? Or are you frugal in what you buy because you just happen to buy what's on sale that's good? Or like, so for me, I think there's a bit of a shift there in the way that I think about that, which is um, something can be cheap, frugal, and good for consumption. It can be expensive, and the frugality can come from a different piece, which it could be like, oh, well, if I buy this one shirt and it's, you know, $300, but I'm wearing it for 10 years because it doesn't deteriorate in the wash after two washes, that is actually maybe a frugal, more frugal option, okay, but not a cheap option, right? So there's right. like, there, I feel like there's like, you know, that like triangle in business? It is. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> like one, you know, as you change one, the leg gets longer or shorter on the other side. You can't have all three. No, yeah. you cannot have all three, but it's kind of like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, and you can be mindful about, you know, maybe your budget only allows you to have cheap options for now because you that's what you can do. Um, and it makes you be able to spend and buy your kid a ballet lesson. So you need to get whatever's the cheapest at the grocery store so that you have the calories to consume. So yeah, I kind of yeah, think yeah. that one's a hard one. It is a tough one. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else about consumption with you? Uh, no, I just try and be mindful as well. And okay. so for me, it's it, price isn't the thing. I, I try not to make all my choices on price. Literally today we were at Home Depot and it was like we ha- we're spraying or redoing a garage painting. So we've had to like scrape everything off and put everything together, like put new trim on it. And then we're going to spray the paint on. And then and we were trying to figure out how do we not spray the roof? And so you can get these paddles where you can do the spray gun and it won't spray the roof and there's two paddles Mm. a three inch paddle that's like 21 dollars, and a two inch paddle that's like 12 dollars, and that's a significant difference in money like not over time of course but seven bucks and literally it was like okay will the three inch get the job done so we should spend the more money or will the two and we'll struggle with the two inch or not and then there's the other option is we're going to actually stop by Costco and grab a big piece of cardboard from them and just use that <laughs> right? and return that if we don't end up using it. But at least we have it. And we're going to go with the three inch because I think it's going to do the best job and it's, we're not going to struggle for an extra hour trying to paint the stupid thing. Right. So like, you know, like that's kind of like the, the mindset of making right. a decision around these things. Yeah. It's, t- it's tough. It's tough. There's too many decisions like yeah. you could have to make. Right. It's overwhelming sometimes. And truthfully, if I'm looking at like frugal, cheap, mindful, like the Costco cardboard, if it works, is the best option. That's free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? For sure. Yeah. Anyways. All right. Any other any other thoughts on this? I guess we, we did note um, just like retiring early versus working because some people, you know, maybe they hit their fine number and then they, they keep working, yeah. which is kind of a, not necessarily a failure, but some people yeah. have one more year, two more year, three more year syndrome. Right. And the internet loves to point out how you fail if you do anything other than sit at home and do nothing after yeah. you've fired. Do you want to talk about your personal experience to close it out with that? Or? Well, you know, it's interesting because I did this CNBC make it series. Um, and I know a couple of people have done it as well. And those comments are freaking garbage. That's comment section. I've got like, I think something like 18,000 comments or something stupid. Like, what? I don't know what it is. Maybe it's 1800. I don't know. I probably uh, put an extra zero there, but it is like something like over 2000 comments. Yeah. And like half of them are just like, Oh, you know, this woman, she's saying that she's got this, but she probably put 5% down, even though in the video, it literally tells you how much I put per- percent down on each of my houses and like how much I make. And the, they just like, people just like to be mean and judge. 
And we do that in our space here. Like, again, we've created this bubble of what fi is and what fi fire is and what fire is not. And yeah, I mean, I don't think I would call the person who has a, a V8 truck who also has credit card debt, who also lives like above their means fire. But I wouldn't take your card away for having a V8 truck, you know, like, yeah. and if you're working towards it, you're working towards it. So I don't know. Yeah, People yeah. love to judge. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, internet comments are pretty stupid. Um, I think Twitter is too. I, I don't spend much time on there. And I know some people enjoy Twitter. Do you do Twitter? No, I, I no. Okay. No. <laughs> well, well, there's some, <laughs> there's obviously some other story there. Right. right yeah. I like so. tried it one time. I don't, yeah. Okay. I just have a hard time with most of that. Like yeah. I just, yeah, I can't do it. Yeah. Can't do it. I, I don't have that much brain power. It, um, well, what happens on Twitter is, uh, cause I'll pop over there. I have an account, but I don't post much. Mm -hmm. And if I need to check something, I end up looking at the feed and then there's some stupid fucking argument about something trivial. And the one I'm thinking of is like someone, uh, had some comment about an F-150, like in basically the way a lot of the internet works is if there's um, something a little controversial mm -hmm. and then you get people arguing, bickering about something nonsense, yeah. then that thread blows up. Course, it goes yeah. viral. Yes. Because people are arguing back and forth well, about more something. Comments. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it has all this interaction yeah. and there's not enough context. So people are arguing about like how an F-150 is a dumb choice. And then there's other people providing examples on when it might be a decent choice. Yeah. Like maybe the one that I just described where I'm like, it's paid for. Yeah. It's fine. I don't give a shit. Yeah. I'm not even reading the comment. Like I happen yeah. to read those comments, yeah. but there was this huge debate. Yeah. And um, that's what a lot of the internet is. Yeah. Unfortunately. So that's why I'm just like, I'm out. I don't even care. So right. I commend you for trying it and then deciding it was a waste of time yeah and like those like 1800 i think it's like i have twenty thousand views and there's 1800 comments right those 1800 i i literally let myself have three minutes to look <laughs> i literally timed it i have three minutes to go on here and see if this is positive for my life or negative and i've never looked back like i've i did three minutes i don't even think i i don't i don't think i lasted the three minutes i saw someone like criticize my now husband for not working and they have no idea our situation i was like i'm done with this like you can you can come at me but like don't you dare come at him like <laughs> he's the most amazing spouse i've ever had in my whole life um you know like fuck you. And then I just, they just shut it off. And, and I think for you, there's also the idea and it's some cost fallacy, of course, but for you, the decisions already been made about the truck. If you were to come to me to, today and say, Hey, Amberly, I'm thinking of getting a car. I'm thinking of this like Ford F-150 or this Tesla, or even this like used Honda. I'd be like, well, dumb, dumb, dumb. Get this right. Like right. I'll judge you for that, making that decision, but you've already made the decision. It's fine. It's not yeah. hurting your life. It's not doing much. You don't drive it much. Cool. Like, great. Yeah. I might offer a different suggestion at some point if you ever asked me, but I don't, I don't care yeah. if you do that. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. yeah, you're welcome. yeah it's fine. It's, yeah. uh, it's, it's cool. <laughs> I've, I've looked at the expenses and, uh, it's a little bit, but it's not too much and it's convenient yeah. to have. Well, that's, you have to sell it, buy a new one. We talked about this before. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. And it's like, mm, it's not worth it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, 
It's no fun. Okay. I think that's it. And uh, we encourage people out there, if you have um, other other violations that you have <laughs> watched uh, <laughs> either of us make, or Carl, you know what? If you've seen Carl do something non-fi, Carl at milehighfi.com, shoot him an email. He'd love to get it. <laughs> <laughs> totally yeah and tell us your five fails yeah that's like really you know, what we know yeah we just want to know like we're not alone yeah that we're all failing together in this rich journey called fire all right so amberly where can people find you and potentially get a little more information about uh the, the cruise thing that we talked about earlier yeah amberlygrant.com if you want to know specifically about the cruise um Go to amblygrant.com slash fintalks and then put your email address in there. That's kind of where I just like notify everyone about everything, including my Tuesday conversations that I have. Um, and so uh, Instagram at amblygrant is another great place to find me and DM me questions. But this cruise is going to be off the hook. It I'm excited. Cool. Yeah. It sounds really cool. What what can people expect on your um, Instagram? What do you put on there? Yeah, I do mostly real estate stuff. And honestly, it's mostly real estate fails. So like this conversation is totally <laughs> me because I really just want to show people that renting isn't a bad choice. Landlording is hard. Renters suck. Like landlords suck. Expenses go up. So I just like to show all the shit that goes on behind the scenes of being a landlord. Yeah. Um, and and specifically, I, I like put this last reel out that I'm like really proud of. It was hilarious. And it was like how everyone thinks like, oh, the, everything goes up. Like the market goes up. You know, your, your houses go up. Like you're just making so much money. So I put like, yeah, like everything goes up. And it's like, oh, my Netflix is now like $20 because <laughs> Netflix doesn't let you share anymore. The yeah. utilities have gone up because Excel has changed them. My property taxes went up $1,000 per property. Like everything is going up. You're right. Woohoo. Yeah. Like those yeah. eating into all of my profits. <sighs> yeah. Anyways, I love it. All right. It. Yeah, check it out. I, f I follow you over there. Yeah. And uh, I think that's it for today. Thanks for recording with me. Yeah, thank you. You're awesome. Thanks for listening to the show. That was the Mile High Five podcast, and I'm Doug Cunnington, the balder host, and Carl Jensen is the cool, sexy one. If you dig the show, please do three things for us. Number one, tell a friend, a family member, an enemy about the show. We really don't care who you tell. Maybe forward them a specific show that you know that they will like. It's the single most helpful thing that you can do to spread the word. It's like giving us a virtual high five and uh, actually we don't give high fives in, in person. So the virtual kind is pretty good. And more importantly, your friend or family member or even your enemy will appreciate the fact that you were thinking of them. Number two, make sure you're following or subscribed on your podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, YouTube, whatever you're using. And that way you won't miss a show. And number three, please leave us a rating and review. We read them on the show occasionally, and you might hear yours out there on an upcoming episode. Quick disclaimer, this show is not financial or legal advice. I'd actually be surprised if it sounded like it. It's really just for entertainment, and that's at least what we're hoping for. But seriously, get advice from professionals. Carl and I are just two guys with microphones that sit in my basement and talk. So we'll catch y'all next week. So I really like hot sauces and I started making some like home fermented hot sauces. I got a little bored. I used to do like a kombucha, you know, 
and then I just got bored of that. I think I had it going for, I had my, my own SCOBY for a few years, like five years, something like that. Yeah. And then I was like, I don't care anymore. I think I just threw it away. So sad, you know. But then I was like, I want to ferment something. I want something to smell weird in the uh, cupboard, you know. So I watched a few YouTube videos and it's super easy to make hot sauces at home. And, you know, people could Google it. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. But it's it's pretty cool because you could put, you know, whatever you want in there and make some really unique things. And now you can get very spicy peppers if you're into it mm -hmm. at just like any grocery store pretty yep. much. So I, I made some hot sauces and it, it turns out... Um, I made too much, right? So I made, I made way too much. I'm just not consuming, you know, whatever, a quart of, of hot sauce a week or whatever. So I, I shared it with, with you guys. Yeah. So uh, how's it going? Absolutely fantastic. So first of all, we collaborated on one of your hot sauces. Yeah. Because I tasted this amazing hot sauce after FinCon in Austin, Texas. I was at the airport. My partner loves hot sauces, which is what we're getting into here. And I... He was like, oh, I should bring him back something. And so I got it at the airport. So I was like one of those people who like bought an airport thing, a tchotchke. Yeah. I don't know, yeah. but you could eat it. So that's really important. Right. Anyways, brought it back with me <laughs> and he loved it. And so you were talking about hot sauces at my house one time. And so I was like, oh my God, orange. Like mm -hmm. there was, a, I think you had already been on this trend towards going for a citrus. Mm -hmm. So I sent you that little bottle thing and yeah. we we're like, oh, carrots, orange. Right. Cool. Yeah. Anyways. We've been waiting for that hot sauce for like a month because you were going to bring it over and then you were sick and we didn't want to get our kids sick. And then, yeah, then you brought it over. And I'm not joking. I think every single one of those bottles that you brought us are gone. Oh, really? Like, <laughs> I, like literally I heard John, it was yesterday because me and the kid were sitting at the dinner table and I could hear him in the kitchen and it goes bing, bing. And it's like the spoon, like hitting the side as he's like trying to scrape the last of remnants of there. Of there. <laughs> and he loves it. It made me hiccup. So, okay. and, and we talked yesterday and with John, I, I wanted you, you're like, Hey, how do you, what do you think? He literally is just so enamored with it. And now he wants to make some hot sauce, but we asked him, like, hey, on a scale of hot, can you go hotter? And so I was like, how do I com communicate to you what that hotness could be? And so we did a scale of one to 10. And your hot sauce for him was a six. For me, it was like an 8.5 out of 10. He could go to an eight. So there's like a two point range there mm -hmm. that could go a little hotter. That is a very subjective range because who knows? And it's subjective based on the pepper, right? Like right. what kind of pepper you use? Is it really hot? Is it not? Mm -hmm. Anyways, so good. Cool. You did Thank an amazing you. job. Thanks. Yeah. I, I worked on it a little bit and, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, one that I didn't give you guys, cause I think most everything that I gave you was based on, um, habaneros. Yeah. And, uh, for people's reference, the sauce that you told me about, it was similar to one that I had probably 15 years ago mm. and I haven't seen it again. And I think the one that I had, at least, it had um, scotch bonnets. I think it was a Caribbean oh. type of sauce. So it was scotch bonnets, carrots, um, probably some garlic and tangerines or orange or something like that. So I put my own spin on it and did some things, but um, that I tried to stay true to it. And a habanero is pretty close to a scotch bonnet, but the scotch bonnet has a little bit of a different um, just 
fl- just a flavor yeah. just in general. So anyway, um, one that I want to work on more that you don't see too often is uh, like a green jalapeno, which I like that flavor pretty well. Yep. Um, but it's good contrast. And I will send you home with some more sauce today because I was looking and I'm like, man, I'm not making much progress. Um, and the cool part is I, I can like make a slightly milder one with the same flavor profile and just put more spicy. I have like ghost pepper um, uh, powder basically. Yeah. So I could just really amp up something to make it super, super hot. So I gave you like an appropriate one. The hiccups a little too much for you. Yeah. A little much. Well, and also a lot of times I feed our kid from my plate because Mm -hmm. I eat less than my partner. And so we cannot give our child (laughs) (laughs) your hot sauce. Get them started early. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Right. Well, yeah, that's a whole other discussion. When do you give kids hot things? I guess from the beginning. But anyways, um, I, so I try and stay away from it because I'm going to forget that it's in there (laughs) and that will not be pleasant. Yeah. Side note, maybe we could save it for another um, sound check in the future, but I used to do like spicy food challenges. So I, I was really into this stuff yeah. for a little while. How was your asshole? <laughs> Not good. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the reasons I got away from it. It's just understandable. Yeah, it'll uh, it'll mess up your stomach, and if I mean, the heat part's kind of fun. Yeah, you know, going in. <laughs> but after that, yeah. not fun. You get a tolerance. 